Well, good uh, day, Influence Church, and worldwide watching here from Anaheim, uh, California. And we love you. We just send our prayers, our blessings out to you. And when I woke up this morning, I, uh, I just felt like um, the Lord gave me something fresh just to write and to give to you right now. And I'm just going to read it to you. The enemy celebrated the day it was announced a pandemic on planet Earth. Little did he know that the Lord would stir up creativity, passion, and devotion among the saints of the Most High God. The challenges have only proved our resolve, our willingness to do whatever it takes to advance the cause of Christ. The enemy's uh, weapon of fear will not prosper. Each day his head is crushed under the foot of Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. Give him praise where you're watching and just give him glory for all that he's doing. You know, the church of Jesus Christ cannot get the message of today wrong. It cannot be a message of survival. It must be a message of thriving in the midst of challenges that we face every day of our life. We must rise above it. We must be the voice of reason and the voice of revelation. We cannot let our minds go astray with fear, nor can we let our hearts stop hearing from the Spirit of the living God. I want you to know it's a new day for the church of Jesus Christ. Not a bad day, it's a new day. God loves new things. I was doing some research on this subject of the pandemic and I came across a TED Talk that Bill Gates gave in March, uh, 18 in 2015, and this is what he said five years ago. He said this epidemic, and he was referring to the Ebola that was taking place, he said the next one could be much worse. The world is simply not prepared to deal with a disease, especially a flu, for example, that infects large numbers of people very quickly. Of all the things that could kill 10 million people or more, by far the most likely is an epidemic. And then he went on to say this, but I believe we can prevent such a catastrophe by building a global warning and response system for epidemics. It would apply to the kind of planning that goes into a national defense, systems for recruiting, training and equipping health workers, investments in new tools to, uh, to the effort to prevent and contain outbreaks, and that word went unnoticed. You see, not everyone who is a prophet claims the name of Christ, stands in a pulpit. Sometimes God gives insight to people into the future in a way that we need to listen to, that we need to pay attention to. Because this is basic humanity, and humanity needs a voice of reason, amen? But we also need a voice of revelation. We're looking at the phrase, that day in scripture. We began last week, I wanna continue that. It's used more than 200 times in the Word of God, and each time it's used, it's used with this meaning in mind. It's spoken of as being a distinct day, days unlike other days. It's spoken of being a marked out in advance day, that God knew that day was coming. You say, well, why doesn't God prevent things like this? Well, remember that God created us in his image, gave us a great mind, gave us great power, great authority, and wisdom, and he expects us to use those, all of those things, 
for the good of mankind, to solve problems and, and to, to take dominion over the earth that God has given us. The third way it's used is a radical change in perspective. That you see, when that day appears in Scripture, all of the past is gone. People say, I can't wait to get back to normal. There is no normal anymore. There's a new normal. There's a new day. There's new changes that are coming. Your perspective on everything will change. You will look at things from this point on very, very differently. You will look at people differently. You will look at the, the value of community and the presence of God very differently. You're gonna long for the sanctuary of the Lord like you haven't before. You're gonna long to be with people. All this is gonna do is accelerate the work of Jesus Christ and the church on planet Earth. Can you give him glory where you are, wherever you are around the world? I know we've got people watching from Dubai and Canada, all across Europe, all across America. I want you to know this is a new day and a fresh day, but it also requires new strategies. Whatever you enter into that day, it's new strategies. Last week we talked a little bit about Noah and the flood and it was referred to as that day. Think of the new strategy. Think of what Noah had to do in order to facilitate the furtherance of humanity from the ark. And we need to be noticing these things. We need to say, what is our strategy? God, give us wisdom, give us reason, give us revelation. Uh, I love watching some of the headlines that run across the, the globe, and this one caught my attention. Uh, the, the former Prime Minister, Gordon Brown, calls for a global government to tackle the coronavirus pandemic. And as I read that, my first thought was, well, that kind of makes sense, except for the word government. Why would you need a government to do that instead of an agency to do that? And of course, my mind goes to the book of Revelation and where it speaks about a day when there's going to be a one world government. And so I pushed back a little bit and didn't think too much more about it. Then I read the next article, and this one uh, appeared in smallcaps.com. Uh, uh, coronavirus could speed up the introduction of a cashless society. And this all had to do with the, the very health of a, of a bill and how many hands that changes and are we transmitting things through bills. But then my mind also went to Revelation 13 about a day when there would be a cashless society and no one could buy or sell. And so as I looked at that, I thought, what day are we in? It's always a good question to ask, what day, what season, what time are we living in now? And God, can we find that in the word of God? And, and I'm not saying this is the end of days. I'm saying these precursors are there to prepare us because God does nothing new unless he reveals it first to his prophets. And the prophets are written in the word of God. We can read what the prophets have said. So let's just jump into this. This is a moment of transformation, a moment of transformation in all of our lives. And I want you just to say that back uh, to yourself right now. This is a moment of transformation. In Genesis chapter 17, God showed up to a man by the name of Abram. And he didn't know it, but his life was gonna be totally transformed by the covenant God was going to make with him. And here's what God said, I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants and after you and their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your descendants after you. So God said, we're doing something new, not a contract, we're doing a covenant. 
And a covenant, as we're going to see, is something that addresses a far deeper matter, the matter of the heart, than simply just legal matters. In fact, uh, the definition of a covenant could be this. A covenant is an agreement between God and his people. God sets the terms, he makes the offer, and we respond to it with either cooperation or resistance. The covenant means to pledge or to bind oneself by irrevocable terms. So what is the difference? Well, the difference between a covenant is a contract operates in the natural realm, but a covenant operates in the spiritual realm. You see, when Jesus Christ died on the cross and established that new covenant, he did it in his blood. He sealed it with the power of his very blood, and the proof of it was the resurrection from the dead. And that's why that covenant you have with him is irrevocable. If you've named the name of Christ, you have entered into a covenant with Jesus that is irrevocable. Your salvation is secure. I fear, however, that there are many Christians who are entering this like a contract, and if I don't like the terms of what God is doing, and they've never entered into a relationship, they've just entered into contract with God, and they've assessed uh, what God offers, and it makes sense mentally, but they've never been transformed from the inside out. You see, Abraham proved that he was a follower of God by his faith, and it's gonna be your faith that's going to be demonstrated uh, through this relationship of the covenant. Let me show you this diagram. I think it'll help to make things a little bit easier to see. If we look at the idea of a characteristic, the meaning, the nature, and the implications, if we look at a contract, it's a formal agreement between two parties, for example, a bride and a bridegroom, to be joined in holy matrimony. If we look at a covenant, it's an agreement bringing forth a relationship between two people. Why is the divorce rate so high? Because we have so many marriages that are operating on a contract and not a covenant. Let's look at the next one, nature. The nature of a, of a contract is, is legally binding and follows the laws of the land. However, a covenant is a spiritual agreement with no legal implications. In other words, it's operating in a realm beyond the natural realm, and then the implications are what? Well, for a contract, when it's canceled or breached, the loyal uh, party can take legal action against the party that has breached it. However, in a covenant is based on a perpetual promise, therefore it cannot be canceled, breached regardless of the steps the parties take in their wrongdoing. In other words, if you've named the name of Christ, you're his. You were bought with a price. You're no longer your own, the scripture says. And that should be good news to everyone listening today who's named the name of Christ. But what's the danger of a covenant when it comes to the enemy? Well, I'm gonna tell the story about Joshua. Joshua has entered into the promised land and he's encountered a group of people that we will learn later are the Gibeonites. And that may not mean a lot to you and you say, well, I don't know that story, but let me tell you the story and what unfolds in it. So. As Joshua went into the land, he's conquered now uh, Jericho. They've gone to Ai, and now they're battling all these tribes as they go into the land, and this is the land of promise. God said, I'm gonna give you this land for you and for your descendants. Abraham, every place that the foot, your foot walks is going to be your land. It's gonna be sacred land. It's gonna be holy land. It's gonna be land for you and for your descendants to come. And all of a sudden, as they go in, this group of people, this these Gibeonites, they come, and they're all in tattered clothes, and their bread is moldy, and they said, we are your loyal servants, and we are 
coming to follow after you, and we've been on a long journey. See, look at our bread and look at our clothes. And what Joshua didn't know at the time was that these were not true ambassadors of God. Who these were, these were enemies who had come in through deception. Now let me just read to you Joshua chapter nine, verses three and four. When the inhabitants of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and Ai, they worked craftily and went and pretended to be ambassadors. Can I tell you that I believe there's going to be people coming to your life speaking the right words, but they're gonna bring deception about what's happening in your world today. They're gonna get your eyes in the wrong direction. Look what happens to Joshua. Even Joshua was fooled by it. Joshua chapter nine, verses 14 and 15. And it says of Joshua and the elders that they did not ask counsel of the Lord. Have you been consulting with the Lord lately? Or have you been consulting with media? Have you been consulting with the Lord or if you just use your own wisdom, the Bible says lean not on your own understanding, but in all ways acknowledge him, and he, he alone will direct your path. More than ever, we need the revelation of God coupled with good reasoning ability. And so we see here that Joshua made peace with them, and he made a covenant with them to let them live, and the rulers of the congregation swore to them. So what had he done? He had made a covenant that was binding, Joshua could not get out of the covenant, even though they deceived him, even though they were enemies. He had to keep the covenant that he had established before God. And the Gibeonites knew that. And now they were gonna be able to use that against him. And this would be a long-standing battle that would run all the way up through King David, where they're always dealing with this oath that was made on the wrong basis without consulting the Lord. I wanna ask you this. Have you made a covenant today with fear? Have you entered into a relationship in the spiritual realm with fear? And fear is now directing your path and you find yourself not knowing how to break fear from your life. And that covenant is fed all the time by what you read and by what you hear and how you respond to the problems that you're in. The Bible says that fear is not simply an emotion, it is also a spirit. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. And so when you see that, that you enter into that relationship, a covenant with fear, you are now being controlled not simply from the mind, but also from the spirit man who is now not hearing clearly from God Almighty. So that danger of making a covenant with fear is true. Uh, I was just speaking uh, earlier today, and I asked someone, I said, do you know what the only emotion is that God does not have? And yeah, I just want you to think for a moment, just maybe where you're watching, just turn to your neighbor, turn to your family member, and say, what is the one emotion that God does not have? It is fear. God never expresses the emotion of fear. Because God knows, first of all, that that's a spirit and not simply an emotion, but God also is above all that and beyond all of that, and he's not subject to fear. And God said, I made you in my likeness, I gave you my spirit, that you would not be subject to a spirit of fear. What's the opportunity? Well, the opportunity is to turn your fear into a servant. What I love about Joshua is you come to the end of Joshua chapter nine and verse 27, we see the phrase, 
that day. Remember, that day is significant. It has to do with something that God is doing, new strategies, new things. Look what Joshua says. He says to the Gibeonites, I can't break the oath that I have with you. I can't break the covenant I have with you, but here's what I will do. Joshua made them woodcutters and water carriers for the congregation and the altar of the Lord. You know what he did? He took the enemies and he turned them into servants. Do you know that you can take fear and turn it into your servant? It'll serve you instead of you serving it. There has to be a point where you just say, I'm breaking this relationship with fear. I'm no longer gonna be subject to what fear does in my life. I'm not going to feed fear. I'm gonna walk in the authority and the power that Jesus Christ has given me, and I'm going to be an overcomer, not be overcome by the circumstances of the day. Hey, our world needs a clarion call, a voice, a single voice to say, God is able. God is sufficient. We will get through this in the power of God, and we will be better than we were even before. One of the benefits of God's covenant, when we go back and look at that, well, God's covenant with us, he has commanded himself to protect us, provide for us, and defend us. Think about that. Here's what God said my covenant's gonna do for you. I'm gonna protect you. I'm gonna provide for you, and I'm gonna defend you. If you just remember those three things of the covenant, you've done a lot, but let me give you more. The Bible says that he's going to give you supernatural increase and promotion. You can find that in Genesis 39 and Deuteronomy 33. God is gonna give you supernatural increase. How do I increase in this day? How do I have promotion in this day? You know, when we get all the way through this, whether it's three months or six months down the road or three years down the road, whatever the time frame is, you're gonna look back and you're gonna see some people actually had supernatural increase in promotion. And it wasn't accidental. It was because they said, you know what? The world may go up and down and around and around, but I'm going with God. I'm gonna stay with God every step of the way. Also, protection from the devourer. Let me show you this from Malachi chapter three, verses nine and 10. And I believe, church, we need this message more than ever. I believe we need the message that says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse, into my storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this. God says, this is the only time in scripture says, put me to the test. Can you imagine God saying, test me? If you don't believe me, test me. We think we can't test the Lord. He says, no, you can test me in this area. Test me, says the Lord of hosts. Well, what are you going to do? What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna open up the windows of heaven. I'm gonna open up windows of heaven and I'm gonna pour out such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Now, this is the promise God says, you honor me with your tithe and what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna open up the windows of heaven. I'm gonna give you more than enough. I'm gonna take care of you and if it stopped there, it would be plenty. But I love the next phrase, and I want you to note how uh, precisely the scripture is here. It says, and I will rebuke the devourer. It doesn't say a devourer. It says the devourer. He's talking about Satan here. Who's the one that's going to kill and steal and destroy what you have? Why, it's the enemy himself. He says, I'm gonna rebuke the devourer for your sakes. Notice it keeps going that he will not destroy the fruit of the ground, nor will the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field. Now I realize we're facing some of the, the great, uh, one of the great uh, unemployment moments in the history of America. 
The number of people that are filing is astronomical. And our heart goes out to those, whether they're in our church, whether they don't go to church, whether in any part of the world, our heart goes out to you. But I want you to know, I believe that God has a process and a method of restoration. I believe all the answers we can find are here. It doesn't mean all our problems go away. It doesn't mean life gets easy. It means that God says, let me show you how you can thrive in the middle of a storm. Oh, the wind's gonna blow, but you need to set your sails to catch the wind so that you move in the direction that I'm blowing. Amen? And so we, we see this clearly in Scripture. And, and as we just honor the Lord, and, and you're watching online, and so you don't have the opportunity to be in our building and to, to be in our services and worship with us, we're going to ask you just to take the time right now and honor the Lord with your giving, to honor the Lord with your tithe. And, and as you're doing that, and as we finish this message, let me give you a couple of more benefits of this covenant. Restoration of all that the enemy has stolen. What's the enemy taken from you over the years? Dignity, authority, dominion, life. What has he taken from you? God says, I'd like to restore that. I'd like to raise you up. I'd like to make you to be the child of God that I designed you to be, that I called you out of darkness to be. I want to give you dominion and authority again that you forfeited and you're gonna get it back. And then greater victories in the middle of impossibilities. Hey, we're living in some moments of impossibility. We're seeing all these different places that are trying to figure out how do we mobilize, how do we do this? God says, what I'm going to do is I'm gonna take the impossible situations and I'm gonna turn them into a victory for you. And I believe what happens is we have to be conscious about this. We have to say, you know, God, I need a victory. I believe your word is true, and I'm gonna turn my attention, I'm gonna turn my heart toward the things of the Lord. And I'm going to let you be my victor in this situation. Also, I believe battles won in your, on your behalf. You won't have to fight because God fights for you. You know, sometimes we just say, well, I'm gonna fight this. Well, some battles you don't have to fight. Some battles all you have to do is stand and let the Lord battle for you. The Bible says, put on the full armor of God that you might be able to stand, you see it there? Stand against the enemy. Sometimes God says, if you'll just let me take this, I'll take it for you. And I'll fight for you and I'll be your defender in all situations. And I don't know about you, but I think it's really good news. I want someone to fight for me, don't you? I want to know that God is on my side. I want to know that God is not just in my heart and taking me to heaven one day. I want to know that God is daily working in my situation. And so when I get up in the morning, I'm saying, God, would you give me wisdom about today? I'm going to, I'm going to adhere to the things that you tell us about that, that mankind is telling us is wise. I'm going to wash my hands. I'm going to practice social distancing. I'm gonna to try to keep my hands off my face because I know that's a transmission point. I'm gonna do all those things, but God, I need more than that. I need you. I need you, God. Fill my heart. I was uh, writing this prophetic blessing the other night, and uh, I think they're so powerful. We're gonna be doing one of these at the, each of, at the end of each of these messages that we're talking about on that day. This particular one where you're uh, watching, where you're listening, I want you just to speak this out loud. I believe there's power when we put our voice and our words together into the atmosphere. 
There's something that happens. So just repeat after me, and I'm going to read it, and you're gonna repeat after me, so I'll pause, let you repeat it where you are watching today. I break the covenant of fear. I was created by God to enjoy life and be a conductor of His presence on earth. Today is a new day of understanding. Life and power in Jesus' name. The ground upon which I stand is holy. I will not curse the ground I walk on by fear, by neglect, by negative words, or disobedience. I speak life and I receive life that I might experience His favor. Today, I turn aside, I see the Lord, and I listen to His voice. The enemy will not steal my destiny. And if you're sitting in a room, just look around the room and say, the enemy's not gonna steal your destiny and your destiny and your destiny. Look at your kids. You're not gonna lose your destiny. You're not gonna lose your future. We're going to move through this with the power of Almighty God, amen and amen. Give God the glory for all that he's doing in your life. You know, as we, uh, as we take move to this uh, final portion of this message today, I'm gonna ask you now, this is a time of offering, this is a time of worship, where you're giving God the glory. And uh, we love you, we thank you so much for being such faithful supporters of this ministry uh, in the past and today. We thank you that God is touching hearts and moving hearts so that we can uh, really bring this message of hope to people. Uh, we can bring this worship to you. I was so proud today of our worship team and how they brought such enthusiasm and heart uh, to you. And I hope you were moved. I hope your spirit was moved. I hope you, you felt the presence of God where you are. And God is an ever-present help in time of trouble. He is always with us. Why the psalmist said, you know, the mountains may quake and they may slip into the midst of the sea, but God is in the midst of her and she shall not be moved. Let God be your resource. The God of Isaac, Jacob, and Abraham is with us. Be still and know that he is God. God bless you, and uh, we'll see you uh, next time.